Well, this is it, our finale to our conflict resolution series. Uh, we've covered a lot, uh, but if you want a good review, then again, you can uh, go to that book, the Priolo book that I've been using as a, as a resource. If you want to go deeper in any of these things, uh, I've got that book. You can sign it out uh, and, and look deeper into that. But resolving conflict is important for a couple reasons. First of all, it's important because this year, 2022, we say this is the year of connection. We want to connect with God, connect with one another, connect with a community. Uh, but in order to deeply connect, we need to know how to resolve conflict. Because uh, too many times, instead of connection, there's a conflict we, we run. No, conflict is inevitable. And it's an opportunity to draw closer to one another. When we resolve conflict with one another, it, it strengthens those connections. The other reason that this series has been important is that we're called to reflect Christ, and Christ was the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace, and he calls us to walk in a manner worthy of that calling, which includes resolving conflict. And our scripture verse throughout this series is Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Um, let me again remind you of this verse. The Apostle Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that being eager, diligent to maintain the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace, that takes conflict resolution. Right? And that's the goal. The goal of conflict resolution is to restore or to maintain that unity of the Spirit, that bond of peace. And as I said, conflict is inevitable, right? As human beings that are fallen with free will, conflict is going to happen. But conflict doesn't have to be sinful. In fact, it can help us draw closer to one another. But yeah, conflicts happen. And from the moment that we have a disagreement with someone, from that moment on, we need to decide how are we going to resolve it. Now, most of the time, as I've mentioned in weeks past, uh, it takes bearing with one another in love, which means we just recognize, all right, we have different opinions, people make mistakes, and so we lovingly forbear with one another. Uh, we say, all right, we just have a difference, and we let it go, and we move on, and we keep it from becoming a conflict. That's one option. <laughs> Even though when someone might sin against us, if it's something that it's not a pattern or whatever, and, and we can forgive right on the spot and move on. First uh, Peter 4.8 tells us love covers a multitude of sins. So very often we can prevent conflict or we can move on from conflict by just saying, you know, I love that person and, and my, I'm going to forgive them on the spot. I'm just going to disregard whatever that mistake is and we're just going to move on. It's not going to blow up into a conflict. That's one option. That's We reviewed that before. But sometimes... That, that doesn't work. Uh, the disagreement grows. The conflict actually, um, uh, there's a real conflict there. And so in this last sermon in this series, I, I can't review all that we've said, but I want to give sort of three steps to resolving conflict when it actually becomes a conflict. All right, I'm going to sort of, sort of uh, just say them quickly, and then we'll dive deeper into them. So to resolve conflict, number one, we first have to work to understand 
the other person. Understand their position, their side of the conflict, because we need to define the problem first before we resolve it. Number two, we take responsibility for what is ours, and we also clarify what is not our responsibility, what's not in our boundaries. And then number three, if we do number one and two, we uh, then have to figure out ways to move forward in unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Let's, let's unpack those a little bit. First, first step, there's a conflict. You need to understand the other person's side of the conflict and define the problem. Because when things move into a verbal disagreement, we need to try to understand the other person's position. So are we listening to respond or are we listening to understand? See, there's a huge difference. Oftentimes we listen just so that we know how best to respond to them, to make sure they understand our point of view. No, no, we need to listen not to respond, but listen to understand. Where is this other person coming from? In Scripture tells us this. Let's look to Proverbs 18. There's a couple passages in Proverbs that give biblical uh, wisdom in this. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Ouch. <laughs> Proverbs 18.13, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. Man, that hits different. If we're listening just to come up with our response, our counter-argument, we're giving an answer before we hear. Are we, not, are we not doing what Proverbs says? If you do this, you're a fool. So many times we're foolish, aren't we not? We want to be right. We want to win the argument. That's not being diligent to preserve the bond of peace, which Ephesians 4 tells us to do. That. That's our, our guidance scripture. If we're just trying to win, we are not being eager to preserve the bond of peace. Here's another one from Proverbs 18, 17. It's, it says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. See, we also need to take time and, and truly trying to understand can take times where, the, where at first, all right, something seems right, but now as more truth, more of the issue is, uh, is clarified and put in the light, well, now I've got more understanding. Now that resolution can actually address the true problem. So when it comes to resolving conflict, the more that we understand, the more likely we're going to find a true resolution that matches the actual problem. Too many times we talk past one another. Too many times we don't, uh, we're so busy trying to get our point across that we might actually agree on a lot, but we're focusing on what we don't agree on because we don't understand the problem. How many times do there's a conflict there? It's not resolved because it's just full of so much misunderstanding because we don't even define, what is this actually about? In many conflicts, people can be arguing over different issues, um, especially issues that are emotional or personal. 
We can read into other people's positions things that they don't even believe, but yet we just assume because we're not listening to what they're believing or saying. We just assume. And then that muddies things up all the more. Now, this happens at a, at a big level, but also on a personal level. Take any of the hot-button issues today, like gun control or abortion. The media, it, it wants to get you enraged. Why? Well, because then you click. Then you pay more attention. There's no motivation to, to truly understand another person's position. And so when we come at things, you know, like the abortion issue, abortion issue you either hate women or hate babies. Oh, well, of course we're not going to understand. There's no fruitful discussion that's going to come if you either hate women or hate babies. If those are the only two options. So we need to understand one another. We need to listen so that even if there are fundamental differences, fundamental value differences, we can still have a fruitful discussion because we're understanding what is that person really getting at. But too many times, instead of understanding, we just want to win an argument. But of course, on a more personal level, it's very important in our relationships. I mean, that, that happens on a societal level, and that's really uh, difficult. But where we can truly make a difference is understanding one another on a personal level of trying to, again, make sure that we're not just seeking to be heard, but also hearing. So I'll give you an example. Um, Wendy and I, sometimes we have conflict. Um, can you believe it? <laughs> I don't remember the exact occasion, I mean the details, but I remember that once uh, we were living in North Carolina and the kids, I think Abby was 12 or something, and uh, you know, we were busy doing stuff, and Abby's like, oh, I want to go to my friend's house, and we lived in a housing development, and I think her and her friends wanted to walk to her friend's house, and uh, Wendy's like, uh, oh, I'll, I'll drive you, I'll drive you, and I'm like, what? We're going to drop everything to drive them? We, we're busy. Now, I said that, but what I really, the real issue for me was not that we were busy, I'd always drop things for my kids, but is that I saw this as an opportunity for them to grow in independence, right? Because I kind of focus on or, or emphasize yeah, independence, self-sufficiency, all that. And Wendy emphasizes more safety, right? Now, if Wendy just took what I said, my words, and didn't seek to understand the problem, she could have come at me with, what are you talking about? You, you don't care about our kids? You're, you're too busy to keep them safe? But she knew better because she, 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 you know, she's like, what's going on? And as we talked, she understood that it's not about that. It's about wanting them to have more independence. But you see, it took understanding. It took asking, all right, wait, what is upsetting you or, or what's the issue here? Otherwise, if, if she would have just said accusations like, oh, you don't care about my ki our kids, and I said, oh, and you spoil our kids, and we got to that, we would be arguing, we wouldn't even be arguing the issue. But the fact is that we actually agreed we want our children to be safe and to grow in independence. So instead of having this opposition, like, no, we're um, fighting against one another, we actually want the same thing, and we can work together if we understand 
the other person's perspective. But so many times we don't do that, do we? We instead just jump into the conflict without truly trying to understand the other person. Again, Proverbs 18. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 18.13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. So this is so important. If we're going to resolve conflict, we first need to understand one another. So understanding questions. Right, so, so, so you're in the midst of a conflict, usually someone's upset, and you can ask that question. What, and it's important how you ask it, though. You know, what is it that you're upset about? That can help you get understanding. It's not, oh, you know, what is, it a, what, what is it that you're upset about? Yeah, don't say it that way, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> truly try to understand, but it's an understanding question. Um, help me understand your position on this. That's another question one can ask. And then if someone says something, you can say, all right, well, let me... Let me check to see if I understand you right, and then you can repeat what that person says. But here's the thing is we can never get to resolution if we don't first have understanding. So those kinds of questions help us fulfill Proverbs. Otherwise, we're acting foolish, and we're fighting foolishly, and we're not makers of peace. So... Number two, so first of all, we try to understand one another, we try to understand the other person's position, but then number two, take responsibility for what is you and clarify what is not you. Okay, this is boundaries. This is the second step. First, understand. So say that with me, understand the other. Understand the other, that's the first step. Now the second step is take responsibility, define boundaries. You are responsible for you. You are responsible for your own actions, your own decisions, your own feelings, your own words. So in our example, I was responsible for raising my voice to Wendy, right? I can't say, you made me yell at you. She didn't make me, that's, that's me, that's my responsibility. I did, that's my action. The opposite too, if, if Wendy gave me the silent treatment, so you can sort of see our dynamics of how we fight, right? I yell, Wendy gives me the silent treatment. You know, she can't say, you made me give you the silent treatment. No, she decided to do that. We take responsibility for our own things. And that's a very important part of resolving conflict. It's very important. We talked a couple weeks ago when we talked about an apology and how to apologize well and all of that. A part of that is taking responsibility for your part. Now, we might think, well, aren't we responsible to one another? And here's the thing, is that we are responsible to one another, but responsible for ourselves. This is a very important distinction. So that, yes, especially as husband and wife, I have, a, I have a greater responsibility to Wendy, but she still is responsible for her own actions, her own decisions. Just same, same thing, the opposite. As Christians, we are responsible to follow God. We're responsible to love one another, right? 
but we're only responsible for ourselves and our own decisions. You see, depending, so that's the key. We're responsible for ourselves, but we're responsible to one another. And I, I think Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 through 4, helps us see this distinction. So Galatians 6, 2 um, starts by saying, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This reflects our responsibility to one another. As um, followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to love one another. We have a responsibility to bear one another's burdens so that if there is something on you, some sort of um, difficulty, if you're having financial issues or whatever, then as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're responsible to help you. So we, we look at different uh, uh, of the one another scriptures in the Bible that talk about loving one another, honoring one another, uh, encouraging one another, being hospitable to one another, bearing one another's burdens. God has given us a responsibility to love one another. Now here's the thing, it's impossible to meet all the needs of everybody in the world. <laughs> And so there's different expectations of our responsibility to one another depending on the relationship so that we have the highest responsibility to, you know, our family, like our, our spouse. Then we have a responsibility to our, our church family, right? We've, we've uh, entered into covenant with one another that we will support one another, that we will help one another. We will bear one another's burdens. And, then, and that responsibility is actually even a little bit greater than the responsibility to Christians of other churches. Yes, we have some responsibilities, but we can't meet, we can't, um, meet every single need. So we realize God has put certain people in our life. He has put us in certain places because we have a responsibility to extend God's love in our spheres. So those things that are in our spheres of responsibility, right, that it's, it's higher. We have responsibilities to those folks. We have responsibilities to our neighbors. And our responsibility to our neighbors here in South Hadley or, 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 or Holyoke or this area or wherever you live, it's going to be a little bit bigger responsibility than to those that you've never met that still are needy because, again, God puts people in our lives, and we're responsible to respond to those who are right in our spheres. That all being said, God does not hold us responsible for other people, for their actions, for their decisions. Responsible to, but not for. Now, the only exception to this, I'll say, is parents and children. So, uh, parents... When, you're, when you have infants or, or babies, or even before they're born, right, you are responsible for them until they reach the age of responsibility, right, the age of accountability. Then they start becoming responsible for their own actions and whatnot. And in fact, one of the difficulties of parenting and one of the reasons that can cause conflict is you're negotiating that, right? All right, when they're just infants and they're helpless, I'm responsible for them. I'm responsible for all of their actions and all of the things they do. But then now they're, now they're growing. They can walk. They can talk. They can make decisions for themselves. So now they're responsible for themselves, but I'm still responsible to them. And again, that's one of those dynamics of parenthood that we have to negotiate. But other than that, right, we, 
each of us, we're responsible to other people, but not for them. We're not, no matter what people do or don't do, we're responsible for ourselves, for our actions. And Galatians 6, verses 4 through 5, I think, brings this other aspect to it. So we looked at Galatians 6, 2, that says, bear one another's burdens. But then in 6, 4, and 5, it says this, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. Well, that's interesting. It just said bear one another's burdens, and now Paul's saying each one has to bear his own load? Well, again, this is that dynamic. We're responsible to others, but not for them. We're responsible for ourselves. And, the, and this word load, there are two different words, and I don't want to make too much of this, the difference in word because they have semantic overlap and all that. And I'll just move on. Um, that <laughs> but load can suggest the smaller day-to-day -day responsibilities that we each have, which we shouldn't expect other people to do for us. Every person has something that's within their boundaries they're responsible for. We're responsible for our words, our decisions, our actions. We can't control other people. We're not responsible for them, but we have responsibility for ourselves. Um, many scriptures tell us this, but let's just look at Matthew 12, 36. Jesus says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Right? We are accountable for our words, our words, not other people's words. We can't control what they say, but we are responsible for our own words. Now, many conflicts happen because of boundary disputes, right? That, that um, you know, we take responsibility or we put responsibility for our actions on other people or they have their responsibility and we transgress those boundaries, a good book for this, all, uh, and we have plenty of copies, you can sign them out, is Henry Cloud's book on boundaries. There you go. This is such a great book, and uh, I, I have to read it every couple of years because um, it's an important concept of boundaries because many conflicts happen or they remain unresolved because people don't understand what's my responsibility and what's yours. Let me give you a quick example of this. Um, Let's, let's say that you have a friend named Lars. I picked Lars because I don't think anyone in our church is named Lars, but if you're visiting today and you happen to be named Lars, I'm not talking about you specifically, unless, unless you really relate to this. But um, let's say you have a friend named Lars, and he, he bought a, uh, a refrigerator, a used refrigerator, but from a place that if it didn't work right, he could bring it back, and um, the refrigerator's not working right, and Lars says, can you, you know, I need to take this refrigerator back. Can you help me? And you, you're a good friend, right? You want to, uh, you're, respo you're responsible to your friend to be a good friend. So you said, yes, I can help you return this refrigerator. But listen, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I am loaded at work. I've got lots of meetings and uh, for the next couple of weeks. So I cannot help you on Tuesday through Thursday for this whole next month. But other than that, I want to help you. I want to be a good friend. Well, let's say a couple weeks go by, and Lars calls you up on Tuesday and says, listen, I need to return this refrigerator because if I don't return it by Thursday, I don't get any of my money back. 
And you say, Lars, I'm sorry, but I told you I have all these responsibilities on Tuesday through Thursday. I told you I'd help you any day. So I'm sorry, but I, I can't help you because I've got these other responsibilities. And we, we talked about this. And Lars goes off. And he says, oh, so it's your fault that I'm not going to get my money back. You're not a good friend. See, Lars doesn't understand. He's, he's putting his responsibilities on you. You were responsible to Lars, and you did it. You were a good friend. You offered to help. But you're not responsible for Lars procrastinating to the last minute to return this. You're not responsible for his purchase. You're not responsible for his refrigerator. And so a part of this conflict, resolving it, would be to lay out those responsibilities and say, listen, Lars, I told you this. That's, that's on you. I told you I would help. And that's how one of the things we would have to work through. But understanding and clarifying boundaries, it helps prevent conflict. All right, I need to move on. Because I don't want to be in conflict with you because I'm taking too long in my sermon. But... Um, so let's get to number three. So let's say, um, oh wait, so if number one is, you know, understanding one another, the second would be boundaries. So say it with me, boundaries, boundaries, right. But now let's go to the, the last step here, and that is, let's say you've mutually defined the problem, you're understanding one another, you've, you've uh, set up the boundaries, you've taken responsibility for what's you, and that might also involve asking forgiveness, Right? That a part of you, you say like, all right, I'm, I am sorry that I raised my voice. I, you take responsibility for your part of the conflict. So you do all of that. But then you still need to move forward. So steps one and two take care of the past. It helps you resolve the issues in the past of understanding. Okay, there was a misunderstanding of responsibility. But now walking in the bond of peace True conflict resolution also looks forward so that the relationship continues in the bond of peace. So you still need to talk through, well, what does that look like? How do we move forward after mutually understanding, after establishing boundaries? Well, this is, I'll, I'll tell you a couple ways it might look, how to move forward. You took care of the past, but how to move forward. Well, you could make a new agreement or renew the previous one. What I mean by that is renew the previous one. Sometimes you have a conflict because you agreed to something, but then you went off that agreement. But as you talk and you understand and you uh, talk about areas of responsibility, you might just say, yeah, I was wrong. We, we should go back to what we had decided before. That's how conflict resolution, it might look that way. Or it might look like renegotiating. Saying, you know, one of the reasons we have this conflict, I know we, we agreed on this, but that's, it's just not working like it was before. So let's talk about it again. And then through conversations, you figure out this is how we're going to move forward. So the example I had with, with Wendy and I, you know, it, it might be where it's like, okay, I understand you want the kids to have greater independence. I understand you want safety. So how are we going to do this? And it might be, all right, first time kids go to a place we're going to drive them so that we know the, the route. They know the route. So we, if we ever have to look for them, we know. And then they can come home um, on their own or something like that, right? That's how it could look is negotiating and figuring out what is it going to look like moving forward. 
Other, thing, other way it might look like is agree to disagree. Now, this sounds good, and we say this a lot. Oh, we'll just agree to disagree. But we still need to figure out, well, what are we going to actually do? Right? You can say, oh, I agree to disagree, but what, does it actu- what are you going to actually do afterwards? Um, so again, let's just use this uh, as this uh, example is that we can still say, all right, I disagree. I think that the kids should uh, walk both ways, right? Three or four miles, the longer the better. No, uh, but the, you know, I still disagree. And when he's like, no, no, uh, there can still be disagreement. But all right, what are we going to actually do this time? Because they're asking, what can we do? What are we going to do today? You still have to figure that out. And it could be something, this is where loving forbearance and patience and all those heart qualities that we talked about before come in. It could be this thing, you know, I disagree, but you're having a really difficult week. You had tons of stuff going on. You're really stressed out. So you know what? This week, we're just going to go with what, what you want because this is a hard week for you. And then we'll talk about what to do in the future. See, agree to disagree. Also, in organizations, you have tons of people who disagree on stuff. So church, any business, you have lots of people. They all disagree on the best way to do things. Ha, okay, we disagree, but what are we actually going to do moving forward? Are we going to go with what most people like? Are we going to go with what the leader says? Are we going to go with what most helps us meet the mission? We can agree to disagree, but still, what are we going to actually do? And so m- many of you know me as well enough now that my default is always, all right, if there's disagreement, we will do whatever helps us fulfill the mission the most. And our, wor- our mission here is worship God, love people, and grow Christ followers. So whatever helps us do that, we're going to do that. The second sort of my default is always defer to those who have the most skin in the game, if you will. So, you know, as a leader, one of the things I love is to see other people like rise up and use their talents, use their gifts. And my default is always, all right, I'm going to, if you have put the more time in this, even if I don't think you're doing it the, the way I would do it, I'm going to defer to you because you've, you've put the most work into it. You put the most time, effort, and thought into it. And so I'm going to defer to you, right? So those are just a couple of the ways when agree to disagree, all right, well, what's that going to look like? And then finally, this quickly, if you can't come to agreement, you've talked it through and all of this, get someone else. Get a third party that can mediate. Uh, the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, he kind of calls out the church in Corinth and says, because they were suing each other in court, he's like, couldn't you find one wise person in your church to mediate instead of dragging all your business before non-believers? So it's good to find a mediator. If you can't come to agreement, then that person can help you understand one another. This marriage counseling is great because of that. Sometimes you just, like, we're having trouble coming to an agreement. That's where another person can help. So that's how it might look. How does it look to resolve conflict? It might look like those three things. Now, I've, I've downloaded a whole lot of stuff, a lot of hopefully practical kind of things but I also hope you see the biblical things where God, he wants us to be peacemakers. He wants us to image that reconciliation and that peacemaking in our relationships. And we can do that if we truly seek to understand one another. 
if we truly are um, able to define and take responsibility for ourselves, but be responsible to one another and understand that difference and then seek to move forward. And so as we pray, uh, I want you to think of the different conflicts that you might have in your life and what is God calling you to do? Maybe as I said some of this, you, you're immediately convicted and you're like, yeah, I need to listen more or yeah, this is a boundary issue, whatever it is. Bring that to God and ask him to strengthen you and give you wisdom in that particular relationship. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you, and first of all, we thank you that, as Judy mentioned, Lord, we, we can have your perspective on things because you've given us your spirit. Lord, we thank you that no matter what conflicts we may be in, that we can be right with you because of Jesus, that you have reconciled us to yourself. But Lord, we, we confess we have such trouble imaging your love and your forgiveness and, and your peacemaking in our lives and in our relationships. So Lord, would you move about this sanctuary? Holy Spirit, bring, us to, bring to mind those areas, those people we have conflict with so that we can truly seek resolution. And Lord, however you've spoken to our hearts and you have each one of us in a different way, we pray you'd give us your strength, your wisdom to step forward in that doing, actually doing whatever you've called us to do, and ultimately, Lord, being the peacemakers that you've called us to be so that we can reflect you in all that we do. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your strength. We thank you that you give us uh, an ability beyond ourselves, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.